You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 45 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Black Cat Manor. Black Cat Manor is a hardcore punk band from Freeport, Illinois. Since their creation in 2013, Black Cat Manor has released three EPs, two music videos, had a song featured on FX's American Horror Story, and sponsored three episodes of their favorite podcast, That One Time on Tour. For more information on the band, please check out blackcatmanorband.com or facebook.com forward slash blackcatmanor band. Now here it is, their new single off of their EP from here on out, Conflict Resolution. Yeah. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Ephraim of Manic Spanish Death by Serio and the Voodoo Glow Skull. You're listening to that one time on tour. Hello and welcome to another episode of That One Time on Tour. As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with someone in or around the entertainment industry. I'm trying to change that up, not music industry. But uh, once again, this week, we do have somebody that is in the music industry. Mr. Ephraim Schultz from uh, Death by Stereo, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and Manic Hispanic. Ephraim has also sang with Buckethead. We talk about it quite a bit on uh, the podcast podcast. And uh, I hadn't seen Ephraim in a really, really long time. I've been a fan of Death by Stereo since, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s, when I heard them on the, the Bunkerama comps from Epitaph. So we had a really good conversation. Before I jump into that conversation, like always, I do need to take care of some business. I need to tell you guys about Rockabilia.com. I tell you about them every week. They are an amazing place. You need to go over to Rockabilia.com and find anything that you want from your favorite band. They have over 500,000 unique items officially licensed by the bands themselves which means the bands are getting paid. So they just sent me a lot of really cool stuff. I got a Converge Zippy. I got a Brazil Zippy, a band that I used to actually play in. I think I probably got the last one. But uh, Rockabilly is amazing. You need to go check them out. And when you buy your stuff, when you're at the little checkout button, when you're leaving and you're paying, you got to put in the promo code PCTOTOT. And it's going to save you 15% on your entire order. I also need to tell you about Muncie Music Center. You guys hear me speak about this every week. It's a cool little music store here in Muncie, Indiana. It's kind of like a little mom and pop place. You know, it's not corporate at all. But I teach guitar there and anything with strings. They have everything that you want. They are now carrying ESP guitars. I could not be more excited for that. I'm a big ESP fan. Uh, if you guys listen to uh, the episode with Scott Mellinger from Zayo, we talk about how much we love ESP guitars. So I'm really excited. So if you're in Muncie and you want an ESP guitar, head on down to 600 South Mulberry Street. Or if you want to hit them up online, it's MuncieMusic.com. So the business is out of the way. I had a little idea. I wanted to start doing top five lists. I have not put together a top five list yet, but uh, a lot of my listeners have put together top five lists. So I am actually going to read a couple top five lists and uh, here we go. Okay, so Jeremy from Austin, Texas, his top five list is top five must-haves on tour. His list is number five. We're going to go backwards. Number five, non-plastic water bottle. That's, that's a good one. Number four, a phone charger. Uh, 
Jeremy, that's, that's kind of a given, but I'll give it to you. Number three, headphones. I will go with noise-canceling headphones because when you're on the road, sometimes you just want to, you know, get away from the other guys or girls in the band. Uh, number two, toothpaste and toothbrush. Once again, I'm pretty sure that's a that's a given. I don't think I've ever been on the road without a toothbrush or toothpaste, but, you know, everybody's different. Number one, he says peanut butter, jelly, and bread. I will agree. I've had I've had many... Many tours back in the day where that was pretty much the entire meal that I ate every day for all three meals was peanut butter and jelly. So, uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for your list. Let me see if I can think of mine really quick. I'm just going to on the fly. So top five must haves for tour back in the day. You know, it was different when like smartphones came out, but I, I loved my iPod classic. It was uh, it was my favorite thing in the entire world. I had like the first season of True Blood on there and, and all kinds of stuff. And I would just like hang out in the hotel room and I would just sit in the bathroom or whatever and watch TV shows on this little tiny screen. And, uh, you know, it just died. My, my iPod Classic was about, I think, 12, 13 years old and it just died the other day. So uh, RIP to my iPod Classic. But uh, let's see what else do I need on tour. Uh, a lot of V-necks, black V-necks. I used to go to Walmart and buy like the Hanes or or the Fruit of the Loom black V-necks. And after I'd get done with the show, it was all sweaty and gross. I would just throw the V-neck in the trash because you can buy like a whole pack of them for like $7. So that was a big one for me. I wouldn't even really pack. I would just have a suitcase full of packs of Walmart black V-necks. Um, comfortable shoes. That's a big one for me. I, I would normally bring a one pair, maybe two pairs on tour. And, uh, you know, you want something really cool. I really like the, the, uh, Onitsuka tiger shoes. I really like Puma. At one point, the Ataris were sponsored by Puma and we had some really nice Pumas and they were super, super comfortable. So headphones, I agree with him. Some noise canceling headphones. That's always good, especially when you're watching, you know, movies on your iPod classic. And, uh, let's see, I'm going to say number two, Back in the day before the iPod, I had my big like 200 CD case because you never know what you're going to want to listen to. iPods and iPhones and everything made it a little bit too easy, but it was always, you know, it was that 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 whole thing of getting your CDs out and going through all 200 to see what you were in the mood to listen to. I kind of missed that. So, so yeah, so CDs back in the day, and then I guess it switched over to iPod later on. Uh, number one thing for tour, I will say that this has changed a lot over the years. Back in the day, my number one thing to have on tour was an Atlas. Before GPS and everything, we would go through and use MapQuest and print out all of the directions to each venue. So yeah, an Atlas was always really nice to have. And even, you know, throughout, you know, the last few years of my touring career where GPS was all the rage, it was still really, really nice to have an Atlas just in case you needed to see where you were going. So I'm going to go with Atlas for number one. And that's kind of old school, but, you know, that's how it was for me. So thank you, Jeremy from Austin for the list. If you guys want to send in a list, go on to our Instagram or you can hit me up, podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to start doing a list on every episode. So, uh... Thank you very much, Jeremy. And if you guys want to send a list, go for it. Okay, so make sure that you guys are following us on all of the social media platforms. As always, it's at 
T-O-T-O-T podcast. You can find all of this stuff at T-O-T-O-T We have a new, actually, yeah, we have one new patron this week. We've been getting almost one new patron every week. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Bill Bosworth from Indiana. Thank you so much. He didn't just do the $5 pledge. He did a $10 pledge. So uh, you can always pledge a little bit more. If you guys want to help the show out, becoming a patron really does help. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. Or if you just feel like making a one-time donation, please go over to TOTOTpodcast.com and go down to the donate button. Um, things are going well for me. I got a new computer. So yeah, I'm not, I don't like begging for money, but if you guys want to go do some donating, <laughs> you could help me out. I, my old computer kind of died. And, uh, you know, that's, you gotta have a computer when you do a podcast. So I had to get a nice, uh, a nice MacBook. Uh, my old MacBook bit the dust, but it was almost 10 years old. So it was time to upgrade. And my new MacBook has 16 gigabytes of RAM. So it is so fast. I can do so much cool stuff on it. I love it. It's really, really cool. The only other thing really going on right now, I mean, I know you guys are probably bored hearing about my kids and stuff, but my son Silas, we started potty training him and he's kicking ass, man. He peed like 12 times today in the potty and he pooped twice. So I bet you didn't think you were going to hear about poo poo and pee pee on this, on this podcast, but I'm very, very excited. My wife is very excited as well. He likes to take the little thing out of the potty and go and dump it in the toilet and flush the, flush the toilet. And he's like, I'm a big boy. It's just, it's really cool. The, the things that happen when you're a parent, I know a lot of you guys and girls out there are parents and you go through these weird little like, level ups like you're in a video game and I feel like we just hit the next level today because of the potty training so I want to give a shout out to Silas my little dude for kicking ass on the potty training and uh, I can't get out of here without giving some props and some love out to my beautiful wife Felicia we just had our three-year wedding anniversary on Monday and uh, she's my best friend and she she really makes life worth living and I love her so much and if you guys you know go on to Instagram it's at I think it's at Felicia M. Swinney or you can find her through my Instagram and I'm at Swiss FTW. Uh, just tell her, hey, you kick ass and uh, you're an awesome person and and tell her happy anniversary from me and from you. So uh, I'm going to get out of here now, guys, and let you hear my conversation with Ephraim from Death by Stereo, the Voodoo Glow Skulls and Manic Hispanic. And I'm on the line with Ephraim from Death by Stereo, Manic Hispanic, and Voodoo Glow Skulls. How are you today, Ephraim? What's happening? I'm good, man. I'm uh, somewhere on the highway en route to San Antonio to play a show tonight with the Voodoo Glow Skulls. Yeah, we're on tour right now with uh, we're on tour right now with the Reverend Horton Keats okay. and the Delta Bombers. That's great, man. Um, so the what I like to do on these podcasts is I like to start back at the beginning. Uh, I just I was going to let you know that the first time that I saw Death by Stereo, you guys were playing with Rise Against. It was in Indianapolis at a place called the Volcano Room, and it was April April 4th, 2001. Do you remember that tour? Dude, I, I, absolutely, because I recently gotten in an argument with someone who was trying to tell me that show was at a different venue. It's so weird to bring it up. And I go, that's the Volcano Room. Like, oh, no, there was no place there called Volcano Room. And we were in a full-blown argument about it. I was like, I played there with life again. <laughs> it's so funny. I can't believe you brought that up. Yeah, man. It was, I mean, I was, I've always been friends with the guys in Rise Against because I'm from Indiana and they're from Chicago. I've known them since, you know, Dan, yeah. Dan and Joe were in 88. And we were going to that. Yep. Sh- we were going to that show, and I knew a lot about Death by Stereo because you know I was a big fan of all the Epitaph stuff. But man, you guys, right. you blew me away that night. I'll never forget that concert, man. It was great. Thank you so much. It's funny. I remember 
that place. You know what? I will say that no member of Death by Stereo has ever been to the strip club near there called the Classy Chassis. <laughs> I think it's amazing that we're talking about the Classy Chassis on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I love that you know that. Yeah, man, I'm from That's Indiana, fine, born bro. and raised, bro. <laughs> you know, we, we, had, <laughs> we, we had a couple of good shows at the uh, Volcano Room, and I remember we walked around the block, and it was a... Uh, like a beauty supply store one, one of the times we played there and we all bought like fake like clipping braids and stuff and we we're all wearing hats with like braided hair hanging out walking around it was funny <laughs> that's awesome man so uh yeah, we had like hair extensions on <laughs> so talking about you know the old school tours like that i want you to take me back to when you first got into music and like punk rock kind of spoke to you like how old were you when you really thought music was something you were interested in I was always really, really into music as, as a very young kid. I mean, as far as like, I remember being, well, I vaguely remember being that little, but in, even in like the second and third grade, getting really into like rock and roll and rock and roll records and going to like swap meets with my parents and like looking at records and wondering like what the, the deal was with them. And, and I think the first LP I bought with my own money would have been either it was either Chuck Berry's Greatest Hits or The Beach Boys Live in London 1969 and I just rock and roll just took over my life yeah what, what was your first like what your first like punk record that you got first punk record I ever got was I think the first one I ever heard was Toy Dolls Dig That, Dig that Groove Baby okay and then the first one I got was Who's Got the Ten and a Half from on tape I traded uh, I want to say I traded uh, um, bullet gate wheels for no I traded a, a set of slime balls for the black flag tape wow <laughs> <laughs> they're all worn out you know he needed wheels really bad I needed that tape yeah, I was yeah. like what is this dude you know yeah. So how Crazy, many huh? were you in like a lot of no, bands? No, sorry, there were rat there were there were rat bones wheels. I'm sorry. Oh were rat bones. Rat, were rat bones. You're yeah. ta- you're talking to an old school skater. I know all about that, man. So yeah, see you, you get the reference. <laughs> I, I get the reference. So you know That's awesome. You started listening to punk rock, started getting into it pretty hard. You know, were you, did you always want to be a singer or was there other aspirations? I wanted to be a guitar player and um I got a guitar, an electric guitar, from like a yard sale or something in like the eighth grade. And I kept trying and trying and trying. And I just wasn't good at it. But, uh, and I, I had bands and jammed with my friends. And the first band I ever recorded or like seriously recorded or toured with was called Clint. And we were a three piece punk band. I played guitar and sang. And I was, it was awful. I couldn't play the guitar. You know? tried and tried and tried and then I remember being frustrated with it and loving it I still love it I can play it barely but I love it but just feeling like I was stuck and I couldn't get any further than I was and then I started messing around and just focusing on singing jamming with different friends and things and it led me to get my stereo eventually and I kind of I guess I just figured out that was like my path you know so yeah death by stereo you guys started it around 1998 correct yeah, the, uh, the initial jams were in like 97, but the band became the band in 98. And um, it was all friends 
from just different local bands. It was uh, Ian Fowles, who you may know as Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk from the Aquabats. Yeah. And uh, Further Seems Forever, Sensefield, a lot of bands. Uh, Jared Alexander, who is the current drummer of the Alkaline Trio. Uh, Paul and Jim Miner, the brothers. Paul Miner's famous producer and his brother's famous tattooer. We were all just friends, and they were all in like killer, killer party bands, backyard party bands that I really, really loved. And they were all jamming. And I remember taking the bus to Jared's house just to watch him jam. And then a couple of days later, being like, hey, can I try singing? And I kept bugging them. And one day they let me try. And dude, <laughs> 2019 here i am yeah <laughs> that's pretty crazy man uh you guys first yeah. you guys first signed to indecision records uh what was the process like for that well we actually made a demo tape and one seven inch on paul miner's label called dental record <laughs> <laughs> but there's only a hundred only a hundred of those seven inches or something but uh we were playing a lot locally and uh you know giving demo tapes to everybody, dude, you know, tapes. And um, uh, then eventually, you know, Indecision came around. Dave Mandel was really cool. We all went to eat after a show at a coffee house, <laughs> and uh, which I don't know if you ever played it on tour, Cruise Cafe in Santa Ana, California. I've been out there many times. I don't know where I played, though. I can't remember. <laughs> right. I want to say I think the Atari's played there, but... Um, uh, uh, we played there and then we walked down the street to a diner called Norm's and I thought I was like being a big deal. Like I bought Dave for the decision to French fries and like, <laughs> like, Hey bro, like you into our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and at that table, he was just like, yeah, you want to make a record? He was totally mind blown. We made that record. It went fast, man. Like we had been friends with a lot of bands because we were really, all of us were really into like tape and seven inch trading and writing letters. So Paul Miner already knew the AFI guys at, way before that. They used to stay at his mom's house when he'd come down for shows. And we had all become friends. And then they had been doing much better for a while and had these records out. And then we finally had our first record. And they, uh, like, they took us on our first tour. I mean, it was, it was totally insane. So we toured that Indecision record with AFI and then did a bunch of DIY touring. And then pretty quickly, Epitaph came knocking on the door. We thought it was a joke. Yeah, what was, what was the deal? Did Brett get a hold of you guys? Yeah, Brett was left all uh, answering machine messages at his mom's house, and we thought it was a joke. <laughs> and so we didn't call back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it it, it's funny that Chris, the singer of the Ataris, always tells me the story, because I joined later, but he always tells the story of Joe Escalante from the Vandals and Kung Fu calling his house yeah. back in the late nineties. And like, he didn't believe it was Joe and he like almost hung up on him. No. Like, like, I, I, it's the exact same thing, dude. Like it's mind blowing. These guys are like, you know, Joe Escalante, there was all these guys when we were kids. Jeez, dude, you know what I mean? Like they were the biggest deal ever to me, you know, still are, you know, but, uh, yeah, he called Paul's house. Like I want to say three times. Then a fourth time, his assistant called and we were all, Oh, <laughs> oh, this is real. And uh, he ended up talking to Paul for a while. And then he came to see us in L.A. at the Key Club. We were on a short one-week tour with Ignite and Straight Face called The Van 
California invasion, Orange County invasion. And uh, we played the, the key club and the show tanked. And there was like 15 people there. <laughs> and we were, we were super bummed. And we could see Brett and his then girlfriend, now wife Gina, sitting up in the balcony. And we're all so bombed. And we're like, dude, like barely any of our friends came. You know, we're like, this is an important one, guys. And, and uh, we're all super bummed. So we all got to up and just played our asses off, dude. And like, <laughs> I didn't, I just thought, like, whatever, this is it. And, and he walks right up the stage, climbs up on it, walks right up to me. What's up, man? I'm Brett. Oh, hey. And then <laughs> like, a couple of minutes later, he literally just looked at all of us and was like, so, you guys want to make a record? <laughs> and I, I was just like, yeah, man, that's all I've ever wanted to do. That's you know? crazy, man. That's, and, that's insane. And Bad Road is my favorite band, so that was even weirder for me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, dude, I've just seen you play a thousand times. I'm losing my mind right now. And then, did you guys think right then and there that your life was going to change? I mean, you know how you feel like when you've been doing it, you've been slugging it out, and then you get that recognition of a label like Epitaph. Like, did you have stars in your eyes? Did you think it was going to be crazy? Oh, dude, I, I absolutely did, dude. Because well, putting that record out on Indecision was like, to me, was already like being on Epitaph. You know what I mean? Because I was like, what? They have a record? Yeah. People, what? People listen to it? We're going on tour. I got to play with these all these cool punk bands and hardcore bands, and I, I already felt like we. I just, you know what I mean. I, 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 I was buzzing off it already, and then having that happen, I was like, oh boy, here we go, you know. And uh, I, I have to say, like, you know, I credit Dave Mandel with starting my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then I credit Brett Gerlitz with taking that and just. Literally, man, sending me around the planet. Like, I owe Brett Gerwitz and Dave Mandel my whole life, dude. It's crazy. Like, the journey I went on with Epitaph, wow, man. And getting on the label and just all that. It's just such a weird, amazing energy you feel. I'm sure you felt that. You know, you have this new record. Every little bit of success that you get when you're a musician, I mean, you always think, like, this is going to be it. But then if you, you take a minute and reflect, even if it wasn't like a huge thing, you're not rolling around in a Rolls Royce and living in a mansion. It's still like, yeah. there's, there's people out there that would kill to be where you're at. Absolutely. Dude. Like I, you know, like, dude, like guys like me or, or like a lot of our friends, like, man, I'm, you know, I don't think if Brett Gerwitz hadn't found us, I wouldn't have gone to 35 countries, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I remember the first time that I got to leave the country to play my guitar. That was probably the biggest moment of my life, you know. It's, it's totally surreal, right? Yeah. Like, like, and and you know, this this goes for all bands, and a lot of people I can totally realize this. Whether they're the biggest band in the world or smallest band in the world, there is somewhere in the world where no one will come see your band. Yeah. You know? And you get there, and you're in some obscure place, and five people show up, and in my mind. I'm just like, dude, I am in uh, Sarajevo and there's five people here. Yeah. How the hell do they know who we are? <laughs> and I'd almost rather play that five-person show and play the big giant one in L.A. or whatever. Where were some of the places that you guys went that were small like that? And then where were some of the places where you guys have a huge market? You know what I mean? The, the biggest place our band ever existed was in Bogota, Colombia. 
Awesome, man. And in the mid in the mid two thousands through Central and South America, we had a, a pretty big record. And uh, the last one we did on Epitaph is called Death for Life. And uh, it was like we had no idea because, as you know, labels don't pay attention to South and Central America. Yeah, nobody does. You know, because they, they don't see money in it. But uh, we got reached out to a bunch, and we were like, "Guess we're going," you know. And we 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 went out there, dude. I remember being like in the Dominican Republic on a morning show holding a sandwich. Muy rico. Like, <laughs> while they're cooking. You know, it was literally like that. And I was like, dude, I'm in a band that's screaming about a godless world. Like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? You know? I was very interested in that, actually, that Dominican Republic show, because I saw in 2006 you guys went there. You also went to one of my favorite countries, uh, Ecuador. You guys went to Venezuela. Yeah. So, I mean, that must have been the yep. year where it kind of t- took off, right, 2006, as far as the yeah, international like, stuff? Absolutely. It was like a wave hit us, dude. And, and uh, uh, like, dude, Ecuador? Ecuador's yeah, insane, dude. man. Yeah. It's incredible, dude. Like, and... and I, all those shows were so massive, dude. We uh, did you guys ever do Rock Hall Parque in Bogota? That it's the biggest festival in Latin America. I, the Ataris dude. didn't. I don't think the Ataris did a lot of festivals down there. It was mostly just shows right. on South American tours, clubs. Yeah, right. And uh, dude, it, it it was like literally. I was like, how is Death Eye Stereo in Bogota, Colombia, right now with Manu Chow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And we, because we're just, and I, and just being honest, dude, like, the, for the, the it, it was a bright flash and it came and went real fast, you know. Yeah. But uh, for the type of music we play, like, how the hell did that happen? You know, <laughs> you know, like, so uh, it, it was incredible, man. And that was probably one of the greatest experiences I'll ever have in my life, dude. And, 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 and uh, we actually recently, talking to people about going back you know i know it's gonna be rad but that particular year it was rad (laughs) do you have any like stories that you can tell me from your travels down there anything interesting that like jumps out at you all all kinds of bad shit too it's awesome (laughs) back then dude our band partying like crazy dude and uh like you know we're clearly i'm older and I'm the mellow. I'm like a vegan jog of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude? I'm, I'm really worried about how much I hydrated already today. So, but back then, you know, we were all about dude, the whole rock and roll thing. And uh, I remember going to Bogota and we were one of the first bands to say yes in the punk and hardcore scene. People wouldn't go because they were all scared. And dude, it's just, it's not like people think it is, as you know. Yeah. And, um, Back then, it was pretty uncharted, and I remember landing at the airport, and this man picks us up, and the motor gets out with this other dude, his assistant or whatever, and they had a couple guys with them that were strapped. They both had guns in their waist. Wow. We were just like, okay, yeah, we're like, all right, here we are. Like, what's up, guys? He's going to put us in his van and take us to the hotel, and I finally just asked the guy, I'm all, hey, man, what's up with the guns? You know, <laughs> and he was like, "You know what, man? It's really just to make you feel better. I don't think we need him." He's like, "Because Americans don't want to come here." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, well, dude, I go, I go. We're cool, man. Don't. 
it doesn't matter. And then he follows it up with, yeah, but don't wander off alone unless you've got one of these guys with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we get to the hotel, we settle in, it's pretty late, and me and Dan, who are a guitarist, Dan, who we're both, I guess, in our circles known for having been wild and reckless, uh, we, uh, we snuck out of the hotel. And uh, <clears throat> I basically got in a cab and uh, told the guy in Spanish, yo, we want to party. We want to go wherever <laughs> everything is. We want it all. And so the thing because we didn't want to ask the promoter anyone. Everyone in the band was scared. We were like, nobody mentioned cocaine. No one mentioned drugs, weed, nothing. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to get in trouble. I just, I just didn't want it, you know, in any way. But outside of that world, I was like, we'll go find it on our own. So we, we get in this cab. And the cab driver takes us to a giant outdoor rave in this park, dude. Huge fence in like park. They were having a full blown rave. And me and Dan were like, Yeah, this dead. we found it. So we go running to go up to the rave as we're running up. Dude, the rave is being broken up and there is police like shooting like tear gas things over the fence. <laughs> yeah. It was like a full blown rave, like riot. Like we're like, oh god. So we turn around to start running the opposite direction hail a cab, get another cab and tell this guy, dude, we need to go to a bar. <laughs> we just want to go to a bar. Yeah. And so this guy takes us to a bar. We go in and it's just awesome party, a cool DJ, everyone's partying. And dude, this guy, this is so bad. This guy starts talking to us at the bar in English and we're like, we're like, yeah, fuck, what's up, man? And he's just talking to us, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're in a band. We're here for the big festival, blah, blah, blah. And he keeps putting his hand out in this motion, like he's like kind of cupping his hand with his thumbnail sticking out. We didn't know what that meant. He just kept making this hand gesture. And so Dan like made the same gesture, and as he did it, he just dumps this giant lump of drugs against thumbnail. <laughs> well, well, what? Like what? So at that moment. So he, he was he asking you guys if you wanted some or you were cool. Was that what Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to party with us. Yeah. And like, so at that moment, the guy looks at me and he goes, don't worry, man. This shit is like rain here. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So we didn't do any of it. Yeah. And uh, we walked away and I was like, you're a horrible person, man. No. <laughs> we went so fuck wildly. It was unbelievable. We we go under the bar. There was like a basement party with a DJ dancing all night. Blah, blah, blah. So it comes up. We go back. We walk in the lobby of the hotel to just stern faces, angry people. <laughs> Where were you? Where is the top of the What were you doing? It was like that, dude. It was so fucking funny. And then the promoter tells us, if you wanted to party, you could have just asked me. All you got to do is go up to room, whatever, and knock on the door. Don't go hook you up. Pretty funny. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I've been all over down there, and I'm uh, I'm kind of lame. I don't even really drink. I'm not like straight edge or anything. I've just never really done it. So I've had stuff offered yeah. to me so many times, and when I turn it down, they look at me like, "But you're like a musician. Why are you turning it down?" <laughs> totally. And they're like, "This is really expensive. Where you come from?" Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it's like buying gas in Venezuela. It's like thirty cents a gallon or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> But no one has a car. But um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's irony. But um, 
yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like we got to live like a rock and roll fantasy, you know, on that trip. And like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm so mellow now, man. I'm so old, man. But, uh, uh, he raged and, uh, I, dude, I, like that show was so overwhelming. The wave of energy. And I remember like, like I, we, we, we have a shtick. Dan will do like a crazy solo and I can dump a whole beer in his mouth while he's soloing, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, I was doing that on stage. And so later on in that tour, we were in a different country. I forget where we're at a newsstand and everybody's like, Oh my God, there is a picture of you pouring a beer, a beer in Dan's mouth and fucking Rolling Stone Latino. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was like, it's totally surreal, man. And like, I, it, it's just weird to, to go do that and then come home from that and be like, uh, I can't explain this to anyone. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. Right back to normal life where you're nobody. Well, the thing is, like, uh, we went to South Africa, and I've talked about it on this podcast a million times, and we went after No Effects did their documentary, the, the Backstage Passport, and we went to, like, the same place that they went in South Africa. And li- so Life, Life Magazine was there doing this big spread on, like, bands that, was, that would come what? from other countries. And when I got home from the tour, I went to – someone sent me a link. There's, like, four pictures of me playing in Johannesburg in Life Magazine. That's, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. What? Yeah. That's insane. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So when you said Rolling Stone, I mean, it's, like, what? the same thing. It's a magazine you grow up knowing about and, and never thinking you're ever going to have anything to do with, and all of a sudden you're in it, you know? so that that's the crazy thing like did you know you were going to be in rolling stone pouring a, pouring a beer in his mouth no like it was crazy like there were just a million photographers there everywhere we walked someone would stop us take a picture you know what i mean like literally like even even like we're all eating at some restaurant and a lady walks in the front door with like her little boy. We was like, hey, we're like, what? <laughs> like, this, we, we, we didn't know that there was a thing going on there. We just didn't know. And it, it, I'm just I'm grateful that I got to experience it while I did, man. Wow. Like Venezuela. Oh my God. Venezuela is amazing, place, man. man. Oh yeah. Caracas. Oh. And, um, he's like the greatest people the wild energy at the show, you know? The food's really uh, good. Uh, oh, yeah. As I'm sure you experienced it all, you know? But, yeah. Uh, and that was that was another one where they were like, all right, you guys really can't go anywhere alone here, you know? And, uh, I'm, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to perpetuate any stereotypes of these places because they're beautiful. Just so everyone hearing this knows. And just like anywhere you go, there's bad and good spots. Yeah. I don't want to paint a picture of, this place being all bad, just kind of like I felt safe. I felt safer in Venezuela than I do in Detroit sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> name a couple places at home, but yeah. So, uh, you know, and I know sometimes it's hotter than others over there. You know, and I think it was pretty hot at the time. And they, you guys, seriously can't go anywhere. Blah 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 blah. And me and Dan, here we go. We sneak out of the venue because we've been hanging out with these other kids and some dude from like an open band. And then the next thing you know, he's like, Hey, you just want to go to bar? Like, yeah. We jump in the back of his pickup truck, like in the 80s. 
and just go to some bar and just party with all these incredible people all night. That's the thing. It's like, I see a lot of musicians, they go in their bubble and they're like, oh, they're in this weird place. I'm just going to hide out all night. You know, and, and dude, we've never had any problems to hang out with the raddest people, meet most, make the most beautiful friends, experience all the culture. And that's like our whole deal about Canada. Definitely Serial like, wants to go everywhere that everyone else doesn't. Well, that was the thing. Like our, our whole thing was my, my thought process, my whole time I've always been a musician was if it have, they have electricity or even if they don't, but they have a generator, I'll go play. Absolutely, dude. I want to go everywhere in the world. There's places that like Papua New Guinea. Yeah. No one knows anything about any music I've ever done there, but I'd love to go play there and just freak out the natives. You know what I'm saying? And also like, you like, I, I know we're not like, like you were saying, we're not flying a jet, we're not rich and all that, but I do feel like for the uh, our culture and our, our music, like it's important for us to bring it to all those places. Yeah. You know? And and share with everyone, you know, and, and keep it going. I really I mean, I feel like in, in Colombia in Colombia and South Africa and places like that, they're getting Bon Jovi. They're not getting death by stereo all the time. So it's it's a good exactly. thing to do, yeah. And, and as you and I both know, there's those kids somewhere there that are dying for searching for it, like we were, yeah. you know? And they're like, they're just like, fuck, if I could only ever see this band, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I think it's really important. I, I remember coming back to that first South American run we did and like telling everyone. I remember talking to Voice of Fire guys, Right Against guys, Strike Anywhere guys. You have to go. You have to go. It's going to change your life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there was one time I got, <clears throat> I had a issue. My passport got bent and kind of torn and they weren't going to let me into uh, Columbia and uh, they wouldn't let me leave the country. And I was able to get it fixed last minute. But I remember right before I left asking those three guys, Thomas, uh, Stuck Anywhere, uh, Nathan from Boyfett and Tim from my events, like I asked all three of them, Hey, could either of you guys fill in for me in Colombia? I don't want to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And they're all just like, what? They're all Colombia? Because back then it was weird, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, a lot of the places that, you know, the Ataris went and some other bands that I was in have gone. <clears throat> people are always like, wow, you actually went and played there? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I know it's not, like, yeah. the main place people go, but there are music fans there that go apeshit, man. They, they want music. So, I mean, yeah. why, why not go do it? Even if you lose money sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, We always at least got a free trip, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, dude. And and that's why we're in this, for, you know, the experience, the travel, the sharing, the love, the art. The, you know, it's... Uh, because, man, it's like, I'll talk to people sometimes that can't even wrap their head around the drive to San Francisco. Man, you drove six hours to play? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. What'd you do in the last six hours? You sat on your couch. Yeah, yeah, totally. In six hours, you could have been at a punk show having a great time. I you know? know. Yeah, I totally get it, man. Like, you know, I live in Indiana where it's 60% of the country is within a day's drive. So it's it's kind of cool. I can... You know, I've never been a, against driving a little bit. I've got a lot of people, though, that grew up in my hometown that don't even drive the hour to Indianapolis to go Christmas shopping, you know? It's so weird. Well, and I mean, I most of my friends don't even have passports. That's the crazy thing. No, I, I, exactly the same. Like, 
like a lot of people I grew up with. Like I, I just had this conversation not that longer with a friend. Like I go, man, that dude who is totally rad and belongs there and is just rad. But that dude in the ACDC t-shirt all twacked out sitting on a beach cruiser in front of the 7-Eleven that lived next door to me. He's still there. He's still sitting in front of that 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> he's still on his beach cruiser just sitting there. What's up, man? What's going on, bro? <laughs> yeah. Nothing, man. You know what I mean? Like, not me, man. Yeah, not me either. Never I, was. I've never wanted to have kind of like that traditional kind of mm-hmm. life. I mean, even now, I'm no longer touring or playing in the band. I've got a couple small children. Right. And I'm married. And I've got a house. And I'm, you know, I'm here in kind of my hometown where I grew up. I've ended up back here. But... I miss it like crazy, and that's why I started the podcast to talk to people that I know and people I even that I don't know that still tour and still do it. Yeah. But I, I teach guitar full time. You know, I I, I kind of have that hustler mentality. I don't want to go work at a bank. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You're you're not you're not you're not you're not doing something that makes you miserable, and that's that was the whole goal I think for all of us in the beginning. You know. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of a band called Big Wig. Have you heard of Big Wig? Yeah, I toured with Bigwood twice. <laughs> I always thought, I mean, I'm friends with Tom. He's going to be on the show soon, but uh, I toured with him as well. But the thing with Tom always had that saying in that song, and they had it on one of their T-shirts, I'd rather be happy and poor than have it all and still want more. And I kind of mm-hmm. live my life by that, you know? Absolutely, just like uh, like a veil. Yeah, a veil. Happy with war. Amazing band. You man. know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, uh you know, the first time I ever did, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> the first time I ever did something was with a veil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to call them out right now, yeah, but totally. uh, no, man, I, 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 I agree with you. And big, oh, big way, dude. I, I, we did two epic cross Canadian tours with them. Oh, they do. Oh, they man. do so well in Canada too. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Canada's the shit, man. Yeah. And, uh, I remember we got, it's weird, like, we, because our band is hardcore and punk, but we're pretty metal. That's but, what I always liked about it, man. Right. It's got that metal, and the, the solos are always so great, because I'm a guitarist, you know? No, oh, thank you, man. You know what? I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, uh, we, we, we've been able to flip-flop and get on some metal tours here and there. Sometimes though we're not metal enough, you know. Yeah, I got you. that crowd's just like that crowd's just like blue. But uh, I remember that winter we got offered some shows with In Flames. I remember being like, "Dude, what?" And this is a long time ago, so they probably weren't as popular in the U.S. as they are now. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, really packed club shows probably. But I remember. We were weighing it out. We're like, dude, should we go on tour with them or should we go on tour with Bigwig? And we took the Bigwig tour and it ended up being we slamming this tour. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, obviously, like right now, you want to go tour with In Flames? Yeah, I'll beg you to go on tour with In Flames. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, you don't get that call anymore, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, but yeah, man. Ah. Big, like great, great times. Canada, one of the greatest places to tour ever. Oh yeah, man. I mean, have you done a lot of tours up there in the winter? I've been up there in like February. It's not the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brutal. We used to do those. Uh, you said those tours there called Snow Jam. Yeah, Snow Jam. Snow Jam's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. We did Snow Jam do this lineup. It was sick of it all. Headlining AFI right under them. Uh, we were on it. 
Nicotine from Japan, Rise Against before the record was out. Pre pre album Rise Against. Yeah. Uh, gosh, part of the there was different legs where people jumped on and off. Good Riddance was on that for a minute. Catch Twenty Two. Uh, Amberetta. I love Amberetta, man. Sure. Oh yeah, I still have my Amberetta T-shirt. It's a baseball tee. I, ha- I had the hoodie. Um, I had the hoodie, but it got messed up about two years ago, and I was very bad. I've had it for like fifteen years, and it finally, yeah. it finally ate it. You know, it was gone. Yeah. Dang. But uh, yeah, uh, that that tour was incredible, and uh, uh, but yeah, I go on and on about Canada. But anyways, you want your gnarly tour stories? I'll tell you gnarly. Well, actually, actually, I want to I want to segue into something else. I've got a couple questions I want to ask. Um, I've always, okay. I've always been very intrigued by some of your guest spots, like some of the other bands you've worked with. I know that you did guest vocals on a Treyu's first album. You did some yeah. gu- guest stuff on an Aiden album. And I know that you were on this on a song by Buckethead. Can you kind of tell me how that came yeah. about? Dude, Buckethead, so rad. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the Atreyu thing, first of all, uh, the first Atreyu show ever was opening for Death by Stereo at Atreyu's high school. Wow, that's awesome, man. And that was the first Death by Stereo show. Because Paul and Jim were like, I could get us a gig at a little high school. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And then uh, he, record, uh, he recorded part of that first Atreyu record, Paul yeah, did. Yeah. And then I remember getting a phone call uh, and I answering it and it was, uh, who was it? It was probably Alex. And just, oh, dude, yeah, fuck. I love this thing on your record, you know? And then the uh, Aiden thing, we had met them in passing in Seattle and they were super cool. And uh, I got a call from Tony Victory. And I remember being like, wow, dude, Tony Victory, I I love your album, your label. <laughs> you know, like, I have a ton of your records. Like, holy shit. And, and he invited me and flew me up to Seattle to record with Aiden. It was totally random. And then through that experience, we became like rad friends. Yeah. Will, Will, Will's a good really guy, cool. man. Uh, awesome guy. And um, he did, uh, he they, did some Misfits, Misfits covers with us on Warp Tour back in 2009. It was a lot of fun. No way. Yeah, we That's did like awesome. Skulls and uh, uh, Hybrid Moments, a couple other things. He would come up at the end of the set and do some misfit stuff for us, and then he'd take off and jump off the stage like a crazy, insane person that he is. <laughs> that is so badass. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to sing on their record, and then uh, <clears throat> the Buckethead thing is interesting. We uh, Dan's a good friend of ours, our friend, our friend George, he, uh, he manages... Serge Tankian. Oh, from uh, System and, of uh, Down? Yeah. And uh, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, our friend George was Dan's landlord. And I'm not going to tell the story, but over the years became an important guy in the music industry, and now he manages Serge. But um, so uh, he was working for Serge, and Serge was producing uh, a Buckethead record that he was going to put out on his label. And right around that time, we were talking to Serge about being on his label, too. And uh, I guess they had a meeting and all sat down and said, okay, this is the first Buckethead record that's going to have singers on everything. And uh, so they sat down and I guess listened to a bunch of different people. And 
I guess one of the CDs that was put down on the table at that meeting was uh, our first epitaph record, Day of the Death. Wow. And yeah, and I guess Sergeant Bucket got into it and uh, Bucket kept listening to us, I guess, and then was like, yeah, can you call this guy? And our buddy George called me and I was just like, uh, yes, (laughs) (laughs) I I will be there with bells on. And um, so we, uh, it was a trip, man. Buckethead called me a couple times. He just was as mysterious as you think he would be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's really elusive. He had a, blo- a blocked number. Uh, uh, his book, dude, his booking agent didn't even have his phone number. <laughs> like he has to, he has to call you. And um, he uh, <clears throat> he called me, and it was like this, like mysterious phone conversation. He would, <laughs> he's just like, this mysterious guy, and. He asked me to sing on the song. I said yes, and then they uh, they ended up singing me. They ended up sending me two songs to sing on. I only ended up doing one. The other one ended up getting sang by the singer from Bad Acid Trip. And uh, I had an initial meeting with Buckethead. He has two places. Um, I won't say where they are because he'd probably be bumped. But I went to one of his. He had the studio with kind of an apartment in it, and I went there, and it was incredible, man. So it's what I thought it would be. There was all this, like, horror shit all over the walls, like, <laughs> like props, like, ripped off arms and legs, just, like, hanging on the wall, you know? Yeah. Like, like, it was bitching, dude. He had his full setup, green screen, everything, where he made all those weird videos, like, everything. And we sat down, and I just was looking at Buckethead, like, oh, this is you. <laughs> like, did he have serious guy. Did he have the bucket on his head at the time, or did you get to no. see his face? He was just him. He's just a guy. Okay. And like, it was crazy. And I was just like, Hey, I won't say a band. I know everybody knows it, but I, I'm going with it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I like, Hey bro. And, uh, we sat down and talked for a long time. We talked about music forever. And he sat in front of me with the famous extra large white Les Paul on his lap. And, uh, he, proceeded to do things i've never seen anyone do before oh the dude's, never the dude's amazing i've never seen anyone play like yeah. that guy yeah dude he just shooting the shit with me he puts all 10 fingers on the fretboard he started tapping 10 finger tapping in front of me that's crazy man i was like dude you're using your thumbs this is not <laughs> right what and uh just learning about his whole you know he's so focused kind of like how uh like if, if you had a conversation with Chris Brown, he'd be dancing the whole time you were talking to him, right? Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Same same thing with Bucket. He was pop locking through conversation. He practices all day. I mean, you'd, you'd day, have to practice day. all day to be what that guy is. It's insane. It, exactly. And like, dude, he, he was sitting on a chair in front of me for a moment. He was palming a basketball and like loosening the grip on his fingers so it dropped. Then he'd catch it with his fingertips before he hit the floor. Bop, 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 <laughs> over and over and over again. And he told me that was like his hand warm-ups. That's awesome, man. What, what, yeah, so it was totally surreal. Well, what we was, ended up What was the whole, the whole process? Like, did you write the lyrics yourself, or did they have pre-written lyrics that you had to sing and like make up a melody? Like, How did that go? He gave me two songs, and I took them home, and I, I just kind of asked him, like, what, what are you what are you feeling like? What is your vibe? What are you thinking of? Do you have a topic? Do you want me to steer the direction? And he just told me, this is how long ago this was. He's like, have you seen the movie Hostel? <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't seen it yet, man. He's all, go watch Hostel, go write the song. 
Wow. I was like, all right. So I want to watch Hostel. I want to wrote the song. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Trippy, huh? And uh, we recorded them at Serge Tankian's house. He has a studio there. And uh, the whole situation was pretty surreal, as you can imagine, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, so I drove up to Serge's house, saw my friend George out in front of me, George, and walked into his beautiful home. And we go into his studio, and he's all sorry. We were jammed. Dude, all the system gear set up. Jeez. They were demoing. I was just like, ugh. Kind of leaned over, just touched the drum, you know? <laughs> and like, I did the same thing when we got on Epitaph and they took us to West Beach because fucking Rancid's gear was all set up. And I was like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. touch this amp. I'm going to touch this guitar, you know? And uh, so I just, like, it was just a cool environment. He's a really encouraging guy, really positive. Sarah, just super positive. And they kind of like, produced me in this really positive way they let me take it in the direction i wanted and they really wanted to hear my ideas which blew my mind and they really just let me share and be who i am and express myself and a couple little things here and there they would kind of guide me in and out but then they would ask me if i was cool with it you know and i'm just yeah. like man great yes <laughs> you know, of course i'm calling it <laughs> fuck you know and and uh it was just a really cool creative day and then I got to hang out and watch some of the other vocalists track. Um, I flooded Sarah's toilet on accident. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you want to yep. do, right? <laughs> oh, dude. So I'm, I, 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 oh, I gotta go in and pee. Okay. Yeah. You know, next to the kitchen, whatever, go in the house. I'm peeing. And then the fucking toilet starts like, I, somebody had pre-dumped it for sure. Cause it started, it was a pee. It started overflowing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like freaking out, dude. And I run out, get my friend George. I'm like, dude, we have a situation. And like me and him, Bucket and Serge and the badass trip guys are in there tracking and we're in the bathroom with a plunger. Dude, it was hilarious. I'm just, I'm imagining like that scene from Dumb and Dumber with Jeff Daniels. <laughs> totally, dude. Just panicked. Yeah, that's awesome. Just panicked. Oh, fucking Serge's house. And then we all, wrapped up and then we all went to this Mexican restaurant by Sarah's house. All sat started and had dinner and I'm like <laughs> I'm having dinner with Buckethead. And <laughs> it's super weird. Like, hey Bucket, how's the enchiladas? You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody calls him Bucket, by the way. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Bucket. Yeah. They don't Yo, call it, they don't call him Mr. And, Head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Head. And uh so then we did it and then he had a uh <laughs> the last the last phone call I ever got from him it was amazing like we had scheduled uh, he scheduled a record release show and they asked me to come sing the song fuck yeah and they also asked me to sing uh, The Trooper with him <laughs> that's awesome super man. weird yeah yeah and uh, so I was like yes I'll be there with bells on is there gonna be rehearsal is there gonna be blah 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 then I'll just show up the sound check Okay. So I never hear from him ever again. I get it like a couple days before the show. I fall in the morning, my phone rings, and I look over. I think I was like camera still or something. I was like, slack. Call up in the morning, restricted number, right? Mute, you know? And then the next day, whenever I woke up at whatever time, I check my voicemail. It was him. And it was the last call I ever got from him. And I will, I will try to recite to you. The, in the same tone and everything, what he said on the on the message. Okay. I, I, hit, I hit play and he just goes, "What's up, Ephraim? This is Bucket. I just want you to know 
that I just listened to the song again. And it makes me want to go get a shovel and dig graves. I'll see you later. That was it. <laughs> Last time I ever heard from I wish I wish you still had that, man. I'd totally throw that on the end oh, of the podcast. <laughs> I know. I kill I do I have some famous answering machine messages I still fucking wish I had, man. <laughs> like like weird ones. Like, why couldn't we record? You know, you know, like back in the day, no one had video cameras, you know, yeah. and you're like, oh, God, why did we not get that? But uh yeah, and I played and then I showed up to the show, the sound check, Bucket was not there. And his band was like, Oh, Bucket never comes to sound check because someone might see him. Yeah. And so my buddy, Brian Gale, who was one of the raddest human beings ever, was working the back door of the Henry Fonda in Hollywood and where the show was. And he's like, I'm not leaving this fucking post till Bucket shows up. I'm going to see who this motherfucker is. <laughs> yeah. Everybody there working was like, we have to see who he is. So as, uh, I'm sure you've played the Fonda. The dressing rooms are downstairs under the venue. And so a minivan pulls up. He's driving himself dressed like Michael Myers. Okay. The mask too. <laughs> in a minivan. Drives up in the alley so no one could see who he was. He must have put it on like around the block. And I see my friend Brian go, God, fuck. Come on. He's like, what? And he gets out of the minivan dressed like Michael Myers. And he's kind of like nodded to everyone instead of saying anything. <laughs> and he gets walked in. And I walk in, and he kind of leans down real close. He's all, follow me into my dressing room. <laughs> and then we, I walk in his room, he closes the door and takes it off. And he's like, oh, man, this thing's really hot. <laughs> I love, no I love that him. there's the, the cryptic, like, you know, lore around him, though. That's such a, not just a great oh, marketing yeah. thing, but it's, it's just really cool because he can just walk around as himself, and no one even knows who oh, he yeah. is. It's bitching. He, uh, <laughs> when we had our initial hangout, he, he said to me, are you familiar with uh, my story or why I do this? I said, somewhat. I'm a fan. I've been a fan for a long time. I kind of know the whole chicken coop thing. But he explained it to me. For anyone out there that doesn't know why he wears the bucket and the mask. Well, Buckethead was born in a chicken coop and raised by chickens. <laughs> and it scratched up his face and his throat so bad that, you know, he wears a mask and he can't talk. And so... He wears the inverted chicken bucket on his head with a funeral sticker and all the souls of the dead chickens travel through his body and into his fingertips and allow him to shred and avenge all the dead chickens. <laughs> That's awesome. They need to make a movie about that, man. I know. It's fucking crazy. But anyways, yeah, that's the bucket head thing. And so yeah, I mean, this one. Is, is, that, is, that, is that how you, uh, is that how like the relationship with Surge came about? Because I know you guys signed to his label in 2009 as well. Yeah, we, uh, that's when that all started. And, uh, Serge, uh, I think was kind of just aware of us for a while and, uh, was interested. And our friend George was working for him at the, still, but at the time still working for him, but he was working for him. And, uh, the talk started happening and, uh, it just kind of steamrolled. And then the next thing you know, uh, we ended up talking to Jason Freeze, Josh Freeze is a brother. Yeah. Who plays in Green Day and everybody ever. Uh, turned into like kind of quickly he was really interested in the project too and then he started writing all the songs with us we wrote a lot of that with Jason Freed wow yeah and uh, so we demoed everything wrote everything at Jason's house and then uh, it was a crazy wild ride that record man we uh, got to do that with him uh, Jan Baumgartner mixed it 
which was like a big deal for us, you yeah. know? And, yeah. uh, uh, Sarah just had us in all these great places and great things. And I think that was around that time, the label kind of, kaput. Yeah. after the record came out. So that's why it's gone. The record's just gone. It's out of print. That sucks. I, 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 cause I was looking, I was researching and I, I, I'd never heard that record and it kind of bummed me out. Cause I'm a big fan of yeah. my stereo. Oh, dude. Fucking bummed me out too, dude. <laughs> and like, you know, it was a cool experience leading up to it. And I know it was a, a really, it was a, it hurt us pretty bad, but you know, it happened. And you, you hear these stories about bands. Oh, my record got shelved or whatever. You know what I mean? Like right when the record came out, label just stopped, you know what I mean? And so, do you do it you was, still do uh, you still have the songs yourself? Yeah, we still have them. I mean, I have like copies of I can have the copies they press. You know, what I mean, I have them. Could and, could you and, send and me like an MP3 or two? Because I'd like to play one on the show, man. Oh, absolutely, dude. When we get off the phone, I'll email you some MP3. Okay, awesome. And and uh, the record exists in Europe because he hadn't sorted out his label in Europe yet. So we just immediately licensed it to a hardcore label, Ice Cream Records. Yeah. So if you're in Europe, you can listen to it on different platforms, just not in North America. Uh, I don't think it exists in Japan or Australia either, but, um, uh, or anywhere else for that matter. <laughs> but I'll send you the songs. But we have uh, talked about the idea of just re-recording the songs. Yeah. Because the label own the label owns the masters, but you guys own the songs, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, you know, you hear about happening to bands, and then they like happen to us, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? You know? But you know, yeah, it's part of our history, and then we just move forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And then we made the next record with uh, Fletcher. Yeah, Fletcher from Pennywise, Pennywise, the Viking Funeral Records. This is the first I've heard of that. I've heard yep. the record, but I didn't know much about his label. He did the label for a short time. Uh, Fletcher was our manager at the time. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he's the best dude ever. Fletcher, Fletcher's know. great. I had Randy on the on the podcast from Pennywise, and he was telling. It's funny. Oh, dude, I love Randy. Yeah, you, you were telling about being in Colombia, and he was telling the story about they were in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he wandered uh-huh. off by himself drunk, and, like, Fletcher had to go rescue him from some people. It was pretty good. Oh, that's amazing. You know, it's funny. You hear all oh, the gnarly Fletcher stories and Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's always like, I don't know if my band wants to go on this tour, dude. Ooh. And I'm always like, dude, he's actually like just the nicest human being ever. You know? I'm all, dude, I love Fletcher. He's one of my favorite best dudes ever, dude. Great friend. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, dude, like, Donald's been nice to me, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, like, I've only ah! met him a couple times, but Fletcher's always been great to me. I mean, he doesn't even know who I am, but the few times we've talked, he's been amazing. Just a rad dude, man. And you, you know what I love about that guy? He fucking lives and dies for punk rock, man. Yeah. Just, ah, dude, he's a shining example of like just keeping it alive, dude. I love it. But yeah, I mean, I've never, I've seen it, but I've never been on the uh, receiving end of a lot of this. I think the only thing in however many billion years ever happened is he tried to throw me off the stage once at House of Blues, Hollywood, and I escaped his clutches. And then he grabbed my cousin. And he didn't get him off the stage, but he, I think he got him on the floor. And I think the only other thing in like 20 whatever years, 25 years, is he bit me once. <laughs> like I was just standing there, yeah. like watching a band, and I, and I was all, oh, and I just like collapsed. He walked over, leaned down, and bit my back. 
<laughs> That's crazy. You know, the funny thing is I've, I, I've been bitten on tour as well. <laughs> I was hanging out with the Coheed, the Coheed and Cambria guys one time back like 2003 great. or four on Warp Tour on their bus. And I don't yeah. remember which one it was. I think it was their old bass player who's not in the band anymore, but I was playing video uh -huh. games with him. And he, I think he'd been drinking and he, I killed him on the video game and he bent over and bit through my jeans on my leg. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was just kidding around. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know he was kidding around. Yeah, he, he bit like so through my jeans and almost drew blood. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah. That is hilarious. And I don't even remember his dude, name. He's not in the band anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> you, like, we played a handful of festivals with them over the years. I remember them being really, really nice, dude. Yeah, they're great guys. That's cool. Their singer was a really cool guy, I remember. That's cool, man. Cody and Cambria. I've thought about them in a long time. Dude. <laughs> so, hey, I'm, I'm very interested. You know, we're coming up on an hour here, and I like to keep these things around an hour, and I don't want to take up all your time. I know you've got a gig okay. tonight. But I want to know, you're in the Voodoo Glow Skulls now, which is another band that I've loved yeah. forever. How did that come about, and are you enjoying it? Like, what's it like to be in that band now? Dude, interestingly enough, uh, do you know uh, there's an old punk band called DFL? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I love them. I'm a big fan. And so, I, and I follow them, and I still talk to the guys. And uh, a while back, Crazy Tom and Monty from BFL were all hanging out in my house, my old house. We had a little fire pit, sitting around talking. And Tom goes, "Hey, dude, did you hear that Frank quit Voodoo?" And I was like, "What?" You know, like, Ugh. you know, instantly I was like, "Oh, no way!" Like, nah, I don't want to hear anybody else. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no thanks. You know, and and uh, he was like, "Dude, you should give him a call." And I was like, what? You know, I'm all, I love Voodoo. I've been a lifelong fan, you know? And he's like, you should give him a call. And I go, you know, actually, a little while back, I had passing talk to Eddie and said, hey, why don't we try to do Definitely Stereo and Voodoo? It's never happened. It'd be super fun, you know? And the old epitaph days. And, and so I go, you know what? I'm going to write him and wish him well. Because I felt bad, you know? And yeah. he was a member of your band. It's terrible. So I wrote him, hey, man, I hope you guys are okay. If you get it back together, keep us in mind. Let's do some shows. And he wrote me back. I don't know what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. We have some obligations. And it just, I don't know why. I just wrote him back. I was like, you know what, man? I'll totally fill in if you just need to finish this tour. And he was like, really? I'm all, yeah. And, he, and, he, and then he wrote me back. And he goes, it's kind of odd. He's all, your name just came up at practice. And I was like, what? Yeah. And uh, so he's all, do you want to try out? I said, yes. So I fucking learned 23 songs, <laughs> showed up on all these lyric pages and, you know, and just showed up to the the famous, where they record all their stuff, Eddie, Eddie Voodoo's studio behind his house. And yeah. They're in jam with them. And like, they took me on a uh, Canadian tour as like a tester. And then they just, hey, you could stay if you want. So I just stayed. And uh, dude, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> Is it working? Is it working out okay that like you know you're in Death by Stereo and Voodoo Glow Skulls? Is Death by Stereo kind of on hiatus right now? Well, it, it ended up working out because at this point right now, Death by Stereo, everybody's in like twenty bands. Yeah, <laughs> and Dan, uh, Dan plays in the band Zebrahead. Okay, and uh, as you know, they're internationally they're really busy, and so he got really busy with them. He ended up making a couple big that hit records in Japan with him and the whole deal and uh, got really busy. And so he does that a lot. So we've been kind of like flip-flopping between Death by Stereo and our other bands. But uh, 
Voodoo is winding down right now. We have a few festivals coming, but uh, we're winding down. We've, we're about seven songs into, seven songs done with a new Voodoo album. And when I get home, we're going to try and finish the album. And then I have to start tracking all the vocals for the new Death by Stereo album. And then Death by Stereo is going to start up. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, so you're I'm really excited. You're a busy guy. I know you're also doing a, a podcast called Into the Weeds. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Canadian-based podcast. Uh, a company called Puff Digital is the company behind it. Uh, they approached me. My good friend Ben Rispin is a creator. He's from a, a couple cool Canadian bands, uh, In Alvia's Cartel and uh, The Video Dad. And just a great guy. And my friend Bubba. And, we had always talked about trying to do something together, podcast ish or something. Yeah. And then he came to me and he was like, I, I've created this idea. I have the whole thing laid out. I have a company that wants to support us. I was like, really? <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, it just kind of took off from there and it's kind of snowballed. Like I get home from this tour on the 24th and straight, fly straight to Vancouver to tape some episodes with them. That's so, awesome, uh, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I can't dude. I can't dude. I'm just like, I, you know, the cynical part of me is like, how long can this last, man? <laughs> I can't believe they're going to fly me somewhere to pop. Barely any money to catch out how I see, you know? And uh, I was just like, whatever. But you know what? They're great people. This company, Puff Digital, and their owner, Peter, is amazing. And they've done a lot in the cannabis world in Canada for advocacy. They've helped a lot of sick people get medicine they need. And uh, I really believe in it. It's not, it's a fun podcast, but it's not like a stoner podcast, you know, and we're not smoking weed on, you know, the show or blah, blah, blah. Like we, we really do try and tackle some issues, but we like to have fun too. And, uh, at this point, like we've got to talk to some amazing guys, Money Marks and the Beastie Boys, uh, Sendog from Cypress Hill, uh, you know, uh, uh, Adam Barone, who started Movember and raised like a billion dollars for charity. Yeah. You know, like I've been meeting all these incredible really inspirational people and we try and kind of uh, dissect their stories and follow the timeline of their life. But within that timeline, Hey man, how did you discover cannabis? Yeah. And was it with you during any of your creative periods or was it not? You know, I want to know why people don't and why they do, why people are against it, why they're for it, you know? So we try and look at all angles and it's really fun, man. We, we, <laughs> That's a good time. <laughs> and people can check that out pretty much anywhere podcasts are, like iTunes and stuff, right? A absolutely. And you can also listen to it at getintotheweeds.com. And you can find us on Instagram at, at getintotheweeds. And uh, we post a new episode up every Monday. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the future, man. I, I, like, I think what you do is ripping, dude. <laughs> and like, I, I, I can't believe I'm doing something similar. I, I, I'm a small part of it, but I, I just... I'm grateful to be there. Well, yeah. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're busy, but what are your socials and like the band's socials so people can find you online? You can find me at E-F-B-Y-S-T-E-R-E-O. F by Stereo. That's my handle for everything. <laughs> F by Stereo. And you can get up to date on all the records I have coming out. Just to plug it real quick. I have a Manic Hispanic record coming out this year, a Death by Sarah record coming out this year, a Voodoo Glow Skulls record coming out this year. I'm working on a side project, 7-inch, with a band called Troublehood. And uh, I have a couple other various projects in the works, too, because I am a maniac. 
<laughs> well, man, it's it's great that you're so busy and it's continued, you know, success to you. And I'm glad that you fit me into your schedule. So thank you for being on the show. And I'd love to have you back in the future for a part two, man. Thanks for having me, man. You don't know fit in, man. We're just doing it. <laughs> well, I've loved having you on today, man. I'll be in touch and uh, have a great show tonight in San Antonio, okay? Stay in touch, please, man. Yeah, definitely. Have a good show tonight. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye. See you, Ephraim. Later, dude. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Ephraim Schultz from Death by Stereo, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and Manic Hispanic. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I had a wonderful time talking to Ephraim. It had been a long time since I had seen the guy in person, and it was nice to catch up over the phone. I do want to apologize a little bit for the sketchiness and the audio quality. Uh, I don't do a lot of phone calls. I normally stick to Skype or FaceTime, but since he was traveling and he was on tour, we had to do a regular call, but uh, it sounded pretty good. It's probably better if you listen in your car stereo or on headphones. You can probably hear things a little bit better. But uh, thank you guys for checking out this week's episode. Next week on the show, I get to sit down with Mr. Greg Hetson from Bad Religion and the Circle Jerks. Now, there is a little precursor warning. I was a little under the weather when I did the interview, so it's a little shorter than some of the interviews that I do, but uh, there's some good nuggets of stuff in there that I think you're really going to enjoy. So come back for Mr. Greg Hetson next week. Until then, you know, if you want to become a sponsor, I, I'm looking for band sponsors. I actually need a band sponsor for next week's show with Greg Hetson. So uh, hit me up, Podcast at gmail.com, or if you have a company or whatever, just hit me up. Uh, make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. By now, you know what it is. It's at TOTOT Podcast. You can find all of this information over at TOTOTPodcast.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you consume your podcast. It goes a really long way to help. Become a patron, do all that crazy stuff. So just whatever, as long as you're listening, I'm stoked. So if you want to help out any more, you can, but I'm, I'm stoked that you guys are listening. I'm going to get out of here right now, but I'm going to play two songs. I'm going to play Death by Stereo, Opening Destruction, which is the first song off of Death is My Only Friend. That's the record that he was saying was out of print, but I did some snooping and I found it. And then I'm also going to play the song Botanist, which is by Buckethead with Ephraim on vocals on Buckethead's 2005 release, Buckethead and Friends. See you guys next week. Thank you so much.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.